You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, culture consultant and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations and employees about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Make It Thrive Season 4. To be honest, the fact that I'm on four seasons feels like an incredible achievement. Um, I truly love creating this podcast and having these really deep conversations around culture. And I'm hoping that the more people we can get to listen, the more we start making some big culture changes on a national and global level. Yes, I have some high goals in mind. So if you could do me the honour of sharing this with a friend or a colleague, I would be incredibly grateful. Plus, when you rate and review this podcast, it really helps the podcast go further. So if you've got a few minutes while the kettle's boiling, drop it a little love on whichever platform you're listening on. I would be forever grateful. Now, onto this episode. As I mentioned last week, season four is going to be a little different. Rather than interviewing interesting people about how we can continue to improve company cultures, I'm going to be doing solo episodes sharing my knowledge, experience and insight, answering some of your biggest company culture questions. So this week's questions. This week, I'm going to answer the following question from one of our regular listeners. What makes the biggest difference to creating positive culture versus the one thing that makes the least difference. Oh, isn't that a good one to kick us off? First of all, I have to put out there that what truly works for some company cultures simply doesn't work for others. And this is for a variety of reasons. The mindset of the leaders and the people in senior management, and the vision of that company and where it's going, obviously the purpose and the goals, and of course the personalities and characteristics of the team. So company cultures are so different um, because you know at the core of every culture is um, a leader with a certain goal in mind, with you know different values. They can be sometimes really similar, but actually, um, you know, when when the when it comes down to the real details of it, they're asking people to act or behave in a different way. So it really is so dependent on the company culture. And there are so many factors that can influence a company culture. So instead, I'll be sharing very much from my experience of what I've seen be truly positive, and what's been truly pants, to put it nicely. Um, And it is really difficult to think of that one thing that's really good, and one thing that's really bad. So instead, I'm kind of going to share some of my experience of what I've seen good and bad. And and maybe you can, you know, think of probably some of them in in company cultures you've experienced where there's been a really good part and then there's been a not so good part. So let's get started on the least impact. Um, You know, I just want to reiterate that sometimes these things may have a big impact on your culture, but this is just what I've seen from my experience. 
So the first one on my hit list, as I call it, would be gym memberships or life insurance. Um, Now, while on paperwork, these kind of benefits in a company culture look really good because they help people save money. So, you know, having a gym membership or life insurance is just an extra thing that's covered by the company rather than having to come out of their own personal paycheck, Um, which looks great on paper. But does it have a massive change impact? Not necessarily. It's a nice to have, don't get me wrong. Like I speak to a lot of employees who actually really value their gym membership, helps them to stay healthy and active, but it's not something that makes them want to stay with the company. It's it's something that is so overused now by businesses as a work perk that it, it's no longer having a massive impact on people. So there's really no huge shift adding that on. And I always think it's one of those what I call plaster perks, where it's kind of just sticking a plaster over a much bigger problem. Perks like this are normally added into a company culture because they don't really have the time or the money to make big impact. And instead, they want to make small changes that that I suppose look like they're doing something with their culture. So don't get me wrong, add them in by all means, but don't expect a huge culture shift to happen when you do because it's only saving people a little bit of money and there are many businesses offering these type of work packs now. So that's number one on my hit list. Number two is definitely impersonal rewards. Um, So these are things like gift vouchers or things that just, you know, you've seen someone do something really well and you've just either given them a bonus or a gift voucher. It's very impersonal. And the reason these don't work, um, and I see lots of employees saying, oh, they're so ungrateful. We offer these Amazon gift vouchers or, you know, we give them this bonus, blah, blah, blah. You know, this attitude of ingratitude starts to occur in a company culture. And it's simply because it's a really impersonal reward um, you know, if if you're being patted on the back for doing a good job, you want to feel like you're being seen for the work you're doing. And one of the best ways to do that is by making a really personal reward. So, you know, do they like going to a particular restaurant? Can you actually get vouchers for that? Or, um, you know, is there something, a hobby that they do that you could get something towards? Just make it so much more personal so people feel like they're actually being seen as the individual they are rather than just another cog in the machine. So impersonal rewards can be costly and very ineffective. So personally, I would say make them as personal as possible when it comes to rewarding people or recognizing um, a good job done. So there we go. That's number two, impersonal rewards. Number three is recognition that's only related somehow to the leader or the business. So it's kind of like a reward, but it doesn't have the impact or the real incentive behind it to make people feel like they're being valued. So this, for example, is a leader saying, oh, I'm going to take you all to this place. Um, But really, you know, they, they don't really want to go. There's been no kind of feedback. There's been no um, consultative approach about what people want to have as a, a as a as a reward. So instead, this leader is just going to take people, I don't know, to an opera night or to you know a show or something. 
and it's just it just kind of is very very weak in its approach and I've seen a few leaders do this where they've taken people to for meals out or things like that and a lot of the time the restaurant is there choosing or the event is kind of there choosing and they're wondering why people are acting really ungrateful and you know it's just so obvious sometimes but they they don't see it so it's really hard to make them realize that because they see that as a real perk doesn't mean that your team's going to so you really have to build that connection of what rewards and what recognition actually is significant to people Um, because just because it's costing you a fortune to take people to the opera doesn't necessarily mean it's going to um, make people feel valued in any way at all. So that's number three on my least impact list is um, recognition that's half-hearted, I suppose. Number four on my least impact list would be personality profiling. Oh boy, do I know so many businesses who have gone through, um, you know, Myers-Briggs types profiling, disc profiling, Um, colour profiling, all the different brands that are out there now that are doing personality profiling. And while it certainly builds an awareness between people of the characteristics, and it can really help in conflict management if two people are particularly not getting along very well, and you're really trying to understand why, then, you know, personality profiling can instantly help you identify the way people work, the characteristics, the motivations behind people. So I definitely would say it's, you know, worth doing. Definitely. Um, It can really give you a good understanding of everybody in your team and how they work. But what a lot of companies do with these personality profiles is do them and then drop them. It's like they're really interested to know what everybody's like. It's, you know, um, like unpackaging a present. You just really want to know what's in there. What does make what makes people tick? But then nothing happens with those profiles. There's no um, workshops put in place to help improve meetings or communication. There's no operational changes to ensure that conflict management is reduced. It's kind of like that's it. People just get these profiles and then don't do anything with them. Um, Instead, what you should be doing is improving on all of that knowledge, is looking at your company culture and how you can best facilitate people with that knowledge. So while I wouldn't say it's the least impact, it's the, the only reason it's the least impact in my eyes is because businesses don't do enough with that knowledge. So what I really highly recommend any business or company going through a personality profiling or motivational profiling is to then strategize after that, is to look at all of that data you have on your people and start looking at how you can enhance your company culture with that knowledge because it is such great knowledge to have and it can dramatically improve your company culture when used in the right way. So number four on my least impact list is personality profiling. But those are my reasons why, because people don't do enough with them. So now that I've gone through the things that I think are least impact in regards to company culture and don't really feel like they do enough in my eyes, the next big thing is obviously what gives the biggest impact? What is going to really start 
changing things up, mixing things up and, you know, making those big changes because personally, I like to see things change quickly and I like to see impact straight away. That's one of the reasons I love what I do. Um, It's also just generally one of my personality characteristics. I like to see things that have gone from not so good to great. Um, you know, even in my house, <laughs> I love doing the cleaning because I love it. Love seeing it go from a mess to tidy, beautiful, cleanness. Um, so yes, I really love looking at things and trying to make those instant impacts, those instant changes that we can all see a difference because we get so much gratification from that. So these are the next four things that I think lead to the biggest impact in regards to your culture change. So number one on the list is personal development, but on a personal level. So in a lot of organizations, we're still doing personal development in a very managerial process. We're nurturing people along the funnel to eventually become managers or leaders or senior heads of departments. We're just nurturing people into roles rather than nurturing their true purpose, all their qualities and attributes that we can really enhance and bring out to ensure that they're doing the very best work and the most fulfilling work for themselves as well. So personal development on a personal level really takes, um, you know, employee development on to a much greater scale because this is usually driven by Um, the people as well so it's not just something coming from a leader or a HR manager this has to be driven by the person themselves by the individual you know what are the skills that they want to enhance what are the soft skills that they want to enhance do they want to be more confident so they can do speaking on behalf of the company you know what is it that that is driving and motivating that person to be their best selves and from the companies I've worked with where personal development is very personal, they have a much higher rate of engagement. So their team are incredibly passionate about the company they work for. They're incredibly engaged in the work they're doing because they have chosen that path. And as well, um, their retention is way far, far, far higher than I've seen with companies who are purely putting people on a management pathway. So Personal development on a personal level is something I would highly recommend to every company. And especially when it comes to their culture, like nurturing the the, um, approach of learning and development and curiosity brings so much creativity and innovation into a company. So that is my number one thing for biggest impact. Look at personal development. Number two on my list is going back to rewards and recognition, but actually that's based on the values of the company over financial targets. So a lot of the time in businesses, we create rewards or recognition that's purely based on work targets or project deadlines or financial targets. So for example, a sales team or a call center team, they are all about numbers, all about figures, and they get rewarded when they hit those numbers. It's all very much measured. But in some organizations, there can be a lot of contention between departments, because if they're interlinked in supporting a customer or bringing clients on board, then a lot of the time, the people that get rewarded are maybe, the, for example, the salespeople. 
So, you know, they get the reward or the recognition of when they've onboarded a client because it puts money into the bank. What doesn't happen is reward is is then given also to a customer service team who are then managing that account because sales are just about getting the business in. Customer service is about nurturing that business. So there can be some real contention between sales and customer service. So instead, what's a really good idea to do is actually base your rewards and recognition on the values of the company, because then anybody can be rewarded for acting and behaving in a certain way based on the company values. So it's for those people that have really gone above and beyond for the company. So this doesn't mean you should completely disregard sales targets. Yes, by all means, I would definitely look into them differently and how you approach financial reward. But biggest of all, I would really look at how you're recognizing people that are going above and beyond for, you know, the company and for the customers. Because again, we have this really bad habit in organizations of rewarding people for staying within the company. So tenure rewards are and you know recognition makes a huge amount of um, cost to a business you know constantly rewarding someone for being there another year or being there another five years but this goes in no way um, helping the engagement of that person because it doesn't mean they're working harder it doesn't mean they're developing they could just be coasting in the same role but getting paid even more they could be your most expensive person but your most disengaged so there, there's just no correlation anymore between tenure and engagement there's absolutely no correlation correlation so really think about how your reward and recognition strategies are built and if they're really you know showing and highlighting those team members who are doing the biggest impact in the company culture because the more you reward and recognize those people the more you're going to nurture people to be up to that level and the greater the company culture is going to become so that is my number two reward and recognition that is linked to the values over financial targets so number three having an opportunity to work on creative projects. So many tech organizations, and especially in the creative um, industry, they have time that is set aside for people to work on creative projects. So for example, I mean, the big one is Google, obviously, they have set days where their teams can put aside their normal work and just work on a creative idea or a project. And This is so important for nurturing people, nurturing their development, nurturing their growth, but also in helping your business become more innovative and creative. I hear so many people saying we don't have enough time to be really creative. We don't have enough time to diversify our services or diversify our product range, you know, time, time, time. But you're just simply not managing your time effectively enough. And that is the big point of this. You know, you have to keep people engaged in the company culture, interested in being there, interested in working towards your company's mission. They're not going to be engaged if they're unable to use all of their skills and knowledge to the absolute maximum. Because it might be, for example, that in in their day-to-day role, they're using 5% of their skills. 
they're you know that they're, they're, they're e- easily able to achieve an outcome with very little hard work but if you give them creative freedom to build something to create something to come up with new ideas you're helping them use you know the maximum capacity of all of their skills and all of their knowledge which in turn helps them develop but in turn helps you as a business really grow your ideas within the company and this can work so well for keeping people engaged because you know we've all got those ideas we want to work on I'm sure many of us have got side hustle ideas you know we've got a job but actually oh I think I might do this as well you know but no one's got time to work on those things. So giving people this time, it really helps them feel loyal to the company and give them an opportunity to extend their skills beyond the remit of their role. So I definitely think it's worth looking at how you can start setting aside to help people work on creative projects. And that could be creative projects dedicated to the company or even personal projects. You know, have that confidence to allow people to have a personal project because it's only going to support your employer brand in the long term. If you think very short term about it, like, oh no, are we just nurturing people to leave us eventually and start their own business? Or are we nurturing people to, you know, go to a competitor? Stop thinking in that way honestly, because it's not serving your company culture, it's not serving your people. The more you invest in your people and spend time with them and give them opportunities, the greater you will become as an employer. And people will talk about how great you are and they will want to come and work for you and it'll be easy to find talent, get great people back in when other great people have left. So don't see it as a short term, see it as the long term. Okay. So the fourth one, which I know is going to be no easy ride for anybody, but it's, again, biggest impact I've seen is passionate leaders. So unfortunately, we can't change who the the man at the top is, or the woman, should I say, but passionate leaders are the ones that make the biggest impact to their company culture, because they're the ones who maybe worked in rubbish company cultures maybe they've overworked you know they've seen the real dark side of work and they don't want to create that for their team they don't want to push people to burnout they don't want to see people stressed depressed anxious they have a very generally empathetic um, approach to their team and they want to build a company culture that's sustainable so many of the leaders I work with Um, And I'm very selective about who I work with because it's my business. I get to decide who I work alongside and who I decide to help impact. And because, you know, I've got to have a relationship there with that leader because in order to make the best change, we need to be on the same wavelength. And the leaders I've worked with, they really want a business that is actually sustainable. They're not looking for one of these let's hit huge targets and then sell the business in a few years. Actually, they love what they do. They love what the business does. And they really like the people they've hired. They like, they want to create a place where it's a good place to be, a good workplace to enjoy and see people thrive. So a passionate leader is one of the biggest impacts a business will ever see. And 
sometimes it feels like they're gold dust. They're really hard to find. But I think more are coming through. We're all seeing big changes right now, big transformation. I think a lot of the things that we've all gone through over the past few months are making us all think differently and shifting our mindset. And with a leader, you know, it's hard to influence them to think about culture because we're always so siloed by the financials, by the operations, the day-to-day running of the business. But culture can help all of that. And it's really trying to get people to understand that And the more you educate them, the more you show them the impact, the more likely they're going to start transforming their mindset. So as someone that's in-house, all I can say is become an ambassador for your company culture until the leader is ready to start thinking about company culture, start putting their headspace into it. You have to be that ambassador. You have to be the person who is spearheading that the whole time. So. Those were my four areas for biggest impact, personal development on a personal level, rewards and recognition that is linked to values over financial targets, having the opportunity to work on creative projects and passionate, empathetic leaders. So I hope you found those areas really interesting and giving you some food for thought. I really enjoyed leaving you all last week with a quote. So I decided to make it a regular thing on this season. Um, After all, it's always good to have a bit of inspiration and words of wisdom to keep us going. So here's a quote I feel ties in really well with making impact on your company culture. Customers will never love a company until the employees love it first. Simon Sinek. Thank you so much for listening to the Make It Thrive podcast. I truly hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. And like I said at the start, if there's a company culture question or problem you want me to tackle in this season, please just drop me a message on Twitter or email me lizzie at libertymind.co.uk. But I look forward to seeing you at the same time, same place next week. You've been listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast with me, your host, Lizzie Benton. If you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to welcoming you back next week.